Happy New Year's! This is a new lit chat for January. This is PJ. This is Bonnie. And we are going to be talking about our reads because it is... Um, Read your own book. Yes. So Bonnie, do you want to get started? Okay. You probably should because you probably read more than I did. <laughs> Always. Well, I'll start with a book that I know both of us have read. It's the uh, latest book by Sarah Penner. You remember we read hers, The uh, Lost Apothecary? Yes. Well, she came out with a new one called The London Seance Society. And uh, it definitely lives up to the hype of the first one. It uh, talks about spirituality, sexuality, greed, scams, all around that time in history in London when seances were very, very popular. Yes, and I find, you know, it's, um, I like the topic because it's not usually something that we, um, gets incorporated into books, or at least the books that I've read never incorporates seances. Um, So I definitely like that it was something different, um, focused on something different that I'm not used to in reading my books. It's been a while, but let me tell you this. Someone dies. I'm just going to leave it at that. Someone dies. And it is by far one of the most interesting deaths, right? Just how it happens. You're just like, well, yeah, oh. you're just like, the, the book is, is leading up to the fact that they want to find out how this person died. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it, Vaudeline Allaire is a medium, and she specializes in seances. And if you want to learn to be a medium or think you have what it takes, she is, like, the best person to go to. And she's legit. And she, she is, is legit. She yes. is a legit medium. She doesn't use tricks or, you know, all of the other things that... Um, the scams that other because that's what's plaguing that's what's plaguing the seance thing right now legit and people are starting to move away from them because they're getting scammed so it evie ends up going to her because her sister did and i will tell you it's her sister that died and they're trying they want to know how and when well, and why. Well, okay, partly. Evie partly. wants to know. Evie but somebody wants to know. else dies. I think it's the president of the seance club. Somebody else dies. And so that's how... That's how she... Vaudeline and Evie, they were in France where Vaudeline practices. And because she was basically run out of London because of something weird that happened. But... um she questioned something. And so the members of the London Seance Society basically kind of shoot her out of town. Also, there's some in- sinister <coughs> um, notions there, um, like her life. She gets told that her life is in danger because she's right. upset people by questioning this. So you have uh, Mr. Volkman was the head of the seance society and he is the other person that dies and so mr morley who is a he's in charge of the department of spiritualism 
they have all these weird departments. Yeah, like he's a second but in control. he contacts Vaudeline to ask her to come back to London to hold a seance to find out how Volkman died. And so this is kind of what starts the whole process of her and Evie coming back. And but it works for Evie because Evie beca solely becomes... So Evie's sister was a student of Vaudeline's. And when she passed away, Evie decided to become a student also to try to find out what happened. And, and it happened in England. Vaudeline had already left to Paris. So this is a great opportunity for to get, yes, to to get, get Vaudeline back to England to find out maybe what do a happened seance to her for sister. The yes. And in the process, they find out about all of this stuff that the London Seance Society is scamming people. Mm -hmm. And so that is part of what they're dealing with. And it just gets so deep and so you just don't know what's going to happen next. And it is a fantastic book. I just got to tell you, we can't really tell you anything more about this book. But it is... It just has one little thing after another that just keeps you going. And you're like, whoa, yes. whoa. And the end is, like I said, the ending. And what happens to one of the characters is like, whew, that's yeah. it, It's a very interesting ending. Oh, yes. It is extremely interesting in the end. I will say with Sarah Penner, um, I really liked her first book, The Last Apothecary. I think that she is very much like a McLady's to me. I'm willing yeah. to give a try to anything that she writes. Speaking of Michelades, he has a third book that's coming. Oh, I was I I hadn't heard that. I'm glad you said. We talk about him all the time, so I might as well just put it out there in our lit chat that he is having a third book. And if you are not on the waste list, you might as well because the silent patient and the maidens is still very much picked up. Okay. But yes, I um, I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's, it touches on historical fiction because, you know, at the time, seances were a big thing. And you had Houdini, who made it a point to catch people scamming. Right. But then you also had the author of Sherlock Holmes, um, Conan Arthur Doyle. Who very much believed in seances. Um, yeah, they they brought out some of that in the book. So yeah, you just have to. But it is a fantastic book. So yes, pick this one up and read it. Sarah Penner's The London Seance Society. And I think you know um, she has a tendency. Her stories revolve around women, and they tend to be strong women. Very strong women. Yeah. Very yes. So not the type of women that. Um, Ahead of their time, especially because yes. she writes about them in history. The things that they do, the things that they choose to do, um, is not what your typical woman back then would you would think she'd be doing. Right. So yes, highly recommended. Give it a try. Okay. Oh, and I should say, that is not a sequel to The Lost Apothecary. No, these um, are standalone books. Yeah, these so if you, you don't have to read her first book to get to read this book. 
Yes. But after you read this book, you may want to go read that book. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I will tell you about another one that I read. Um, it was on a list of books that we had picked for the, uh, for the lit chat mm-hmm. that we didn't read. It's by Matt Haig, and it's called The Midnight Library. And I didn't like it. Okay. Which is interesting, because I have seen that one circulate a lot. Yes, it was out there. It took me forever to get it, because I think this was like two years ago that we had this book on the list, and it was just always out, and I couldn't get it. And I finally did, and I, I was not impressed. Um, we have the main character, Nora, who is attempting to commit suicide. And this is just like in the beginning? This is in the beginning. This is how it starts? Okay. This is how it starts. She is attempting to commit suicide. And in the process, um, she used to go to the library when she was a young girl. And the librarian, Mrs. Elm, kind of, um was a mother figure to her because I think her mother was dead or something. And um, so she attempts to commit suicide and all of a sudden we find ourselves in the midnight library. She is between life and death. Okay. And every book in the library is about her. And it is this huge huge library are the books about things that happened to her or things that could have happened to her okay it's 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 things that have happened to her in the past it it's things that would have happened to her had she taken a different path it's things that could still possibly happen to her depending on which path she takes okay this library is books all about her and mrs elm is there to kind of direct her and it's basically just a book about helping her decide, helping her discover what living is about. Okay. So that she no longer wants to die. So I'm intrigued because you're giving me the plot and it sounds interesting. So I really want to know why you didn't like it. I, I think it was just the way it was written. Okay. Um, it's like she had things that she did in her past that she regretted and the librarian starts out her whole experience by handing her this big humongous tome that is all of her regrets okay and she starts flipping through these and she is just like ready to die she's okay yeah this is just like okay (laughs) this is my life so i guess but then the librarian says you need to shut the book she 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 has to physically force her to shut the book but she has to nora has to do the shutting the librarian can't do it okay so then they talk about it and she goes well so the librarian says well pick one of your regrets and we'll send you back, we'll, we'll find the book. And so basically what it is, she picks one, they take the book, and all of a sudden she is where she would have wanted to be had things happened differently okay. in her life. Like married, she's married to this guy that she thought was everything in her life. What I didn't like about it was that every time she went to a different 
time, basically, she had no clue what she was supposed to be doing. It's like this was supposed to be her life, but she was clueless. So she was just stumbling? Yeah, she's stumbling along. People know her, mm -hmm. and they're expecting her to be a certain way, but she has no clue how she's supposed to be because she hadn't, this Nora had not lived that life. The Another Nora had lived that life. And see, that's where it gets kind of weird. And So, like, there's different it, versions it, of Nora. There's different versions of Nora out there. And every time she steps into the book, the other Nora kind of disappears. And now she has to try to figure out what she's supposed to be doing. So, it seems like, like it's giving me Christmas Carol vibes. Uh, sort of, but, but also, um, but even not that, because it's like, okay, just as an example, when she gets, she, the guy that she wanted to marry wanted to open his own pub. Mm -hmm. That was his big dream. And so now she's married to him and they own a pub. But she has no clue how to run a pub. But her other Nora did because he's like, well, you know, this is how we do this. How come you're not doing this? You know, and this, and, you know, oh, you know so-and-so. And she's like, oh, uh, no. In her head, she's saying, no, I don't. But she has to pretend that she knows all these people that know her. And it just, every time you move to a different time zone, this is what, and I thought, that's not right. Because if you want her to decide if that's the life she needs to be living, then she should know something about that life before you throw her into it. And well, I was yeah, just it like, seems, it, yeah, it, it seems very kind of, problematic to me because it's yeah. like you would think if you're given an opportunity to experience your life like that, you would think you would know it, but she know didn't. it, or you'd have a sense of knowing what it would be like. And it, it was just like, it would be, just be like throwing me into your life. Well, it seems like it's just like a maze of her life. Like she just yeah, has to. That's exactly what it is. Go through it. With and, she, and in the end, it'll, it'll spit her back to the library when she realizes this isn't what I wanted. You know, it's like she always thought, oh, this is what I really wanted yeah. in my life. And once she lives a little bit of it, like she's only there for a half hour in this life and she realizes nope this isn't what I wanted and it spits her back to the library and then they try another one of her regretted lives and it just goes on like that until finally she realizes that that I don't want any of that stuff I just want to live I want to live and yeah. once she decides that then she comes back only to find out that she may actually really be dying because it's taking so long. So, oh. so we don't know. Oh. I'm not going to tell you what happens. I mean, the um, plot sounds interesting, but I can understand it why. Just, it was so convoluted. It was just okay, yeah. so... I just didn't like the way it threw her out there without, mm -hmm. without any lifelines, basically. Yeah. It threw her out there. So I was not impressed with that. I'm glad we didn't read it for the literature. <laughs> so what have two, you been reading? Two years. Yes, two years I waited for that. Yes. So I'm currently reading The Real Valkyrie, The Hidden History of Viking Warrior Women um, by Nancy Marie Brown. 
I'm not too far into it. I, I took a hiatus from reading because I um, had a lot going on starting um, with November. I got married. Uh, so Yay. Thank you. Um, and then I got sick. And then with the closure of the library, there's just so much going on. I took a hiatus. So I started back up on reading. Picked up this book because I found it very interesting. Um, I had seen the show Vikings. And one of the uh, characters that I really was attracted to was um, Lagertha. Lagertha who is a shield maiden and she's just this really tough awesome warrior lady and i had like i had seen this um while i was reading um or while i was seeing the vikings um so i think i'm in my like viking phase where i kind of want to learn more about the vikings but you know i also love strong women so i picked this up because we don't know really much about viking women this book is interesting. I don't know whether I like... Here's the thing with this book. This book starts off with um, the uncovering of a body, a skeleton, and it had every Viking weapon possible. It even had horses. And so to sacrifice horses must have meant that this person was just important. For the longest time, archaeologists thought, surely this is a man, because only men fight, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, of course. And only men can be warriors. So it wasn't until they had complex DNA tests that they figured out um, that it was a woman, which they found to be, you know, kind of just threw the whole idea out the window. In this book, the author is trying to recreate the life of the skeleton, but to me, it's not necessary. Right. I want to know the facts. And so it goes from recreating this life of a, like, that we don't even know whether, what it's her life was, yeah. yeah, and then giving you facts about society, Viking society, and women in the Viking society. That part, that the facts I'm interested in, I really like, it's the... Made-up um, part. Yes, that I'm like, it's not necessary, especially because, you know, as she explains, there's not much to go on. The, the Vikings were around 900, like, they were around a long time. And so most of the time, you can't find good bones or you can't find the whole skeleton it's really hard to extract dna so it's not like you can find much which is why this burial site was intriguing because they were able to find um it's one of the more interesting sites because it's linked to a woman and she must have been of some high caliber because she has all these weapons. So she must have been a warrior. She has all these weapons. Where she is buried is a very important place amongst one of the older Viking cities that was very big. And so in that aspect, it's interesting. The other thing too is, you know, just how it talks about, like, we have this notion that there's man duties 
and women duties. But Vikings didn't have, they didn't really focus on gender. If you were a woman, you could be whatever you wanted. For their culture, it wasn't based on like the norms of what a woman can do and what a man can do. Their norm was more um, survival. You know, their culture was was very much warrior, very much go to war, conquer, pillage. But what was interesting is a lot of what we know about Vikings, a lot of what we think about Vikings, comes from Christians who later wrote about them. Christians who hundreds of years had passed. They didn't know these Vikings, but they wrote about them <laughs> like they knew them. Yeah. And, of course, what you also have to take into account is these Vikings were pagans who believed in different gods. Right. And then you've got the Christians, right? So there's always that offset of the heathens and the civilized people. And Christians obviously are not going to want to make Vikings civilized. They want to make them into heathens, right? So there's all well, these... the same thing that they did with the Indians. Yes. And everything in the West, you know. So all Indians these... were extremely civilized, but, you know, they were heathens. But all of these ideas that we have of Vikings comes from these Christian writers who never met them. And then even, like, a lot of the stuff that, the written stuff with the Vikings, a lot of it was they didn't write stuff down. It was just very... Or, um, Oral it, history. Yes. And a lot of it also was these epics that, like anything, there's partial truth to it. But there's also myth behind it. So you can't really pinpoint what's true and what's not. So there's just a lot of mystery when it comes to Vikings because they did not write their own history. Christians wrote their history. And so this idea, and this is where, you know, she also talks about how when Christians write about these women, so the Valkyrie are these mythical women mm -hmm. that carry warriors to Valhalla, which is like the heaven for mm -hmm. the Vikings. But these Valkyries are mythological. And so the idea, and, and they're known to be warriors. So the idea that they're a woman could be a warrior for the Vikings for the longest time was seen as, well, that's just not, that, it's a myth. Anytime that they're talking about a warrior woman, it's just a myth. It's not true. Until they started finding these uh, this grave site, which also really puts into perspective how much in society, the norms that, unfortunately, what we see as the women's duties versus the men's duties, that wasn't Viking world. Viking world was genderless. It wasn't about, oh, you're a woman, you need to be in the kitchen. It was, all right, you're a woman, you've got good skills, you know how to fight. All right, well, we will. Here's a sword. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. You can lead us. It was more about respecting a person's, the person's abilities. ability, personality, the skills that they brought as opposed to the gender. And so I'm finding the facts very interesting. But yeah, that story, I just don't need it because there's just not... 
like from what she says, there's just little that we know. It's like static in the background that you don't need to for the truth. Like you're okay. She's creating a story of this woman, and really, this woman we th- uh, like they think that she might have died at the age of like thirty, maybe to forty, but you can't really pinpoint. And then we know that because um, her injuries, she had a couple of injuries. We also know um, like where she originally could have come from because of the calcium in her teeth, like the water has different calcium. So we have an idea of where she came from, but there's literally like less than 10 facts that we know about this lady besides her having this, all these weapons. How can you make a story out of less than 10 facts? You can't, right? Right. That's the part that I'm like, it's just not necessary. Like, if you wanted to write a book about a Yeah, if you want to write historical fiction. There we go. Historical fiction. Yeah. But I do think that is very interesting, um, the facts that she gives. the, The idea that... You know, up until then, like, I didn't think about it. But, yeah, most of what we think about Vikings comes from the Christians. Yeah. And when we think about Vikings, I think we think of them as, like, war-hunger people and savages and stuff like that. And it makes sense, right? Because Christians are going to want to isolate themselves from that group of people. They're going to want to, you know, be... We're more knowledgeable. We're more, you know. More superior. Exactly. So I'm liking it. It's kind of being, it's kind of a quick read. She does talk also about these really strong women. Like there was a queen, Queen Asa. They found these two Viking ships. Intact Viking ships, which is really difficult. But one of them was for these two queens. Well, what they postulate is two queens. They're not sure. They found the body of a, they said like 60 to 80-year-old and one that was like 20 to 40-year-olds. And they buried her with a full-on Viking ship. And these Viking ships were humongous. They buried her with, like they slaughtered animals. They buried them to the T. And um, they were able to find the ship, and it's pretty amazing because when you consider, like, that's made out of wood and everything. So I will say um, I'm liking it so far, but I wish we didn't have to deal with the fake story. Um, But, you know, I will finish reading it, and then I will have to tell you in our next lit chat whether I really like it or not because it's a little too early for me to decide Okay. I am finding it interesting, though. Okay. I read James Rollins' Tides of Fire. Now, I we've, we've read James Rollins in Lit Chat before. Mm-hmm. Um, they generally start out with a bit of history, historical something, and then he turns it into his fictional story with the Sigma Force, which is the um, DARPA behind-the-scenes people that go out, you know, and save the world. Yeah. <laughs> He's the author that in the back of the book, he'll give you, like, so Yes, he'll give you the trues and falses, like what he made up and, and what's actually real. And in this particular one, it takes place out in the Pacific 
ocean between um, near Australia uh, along the Pacific trenches, you know, the okay. trenches in yeah. the... And it starts out, there's this Chinese sub, you know, we always have to have the opposition. Yeah. So we have the Chinese sub that ended up having problems and sunk into one of these trenches. And before the Chinese could discover where it was, um, this research group found it. And this research group is people from all over the world. But they were researching the trenches and seeing they were actually trying to figure out how to save coral, you know, because coral reefs and stuff are in danger. And this was their thing because there are coral reefs very, very, very deep in the ocean that are thriving. And so they're trying to figure out what's saving these and not others. And so you have this research, this mega research group out there. Well, then China finds out that they discovered their sub and they want to get it back before anybody else finds it. Hmm, So what are they hiding? Yes. So now you have, and of course, it just so happened that Seishan and Gray are married. Well, not really married. They're together. Yeah. And they've had a son and she is Chinese or descended, and her mother is head of one of the big triads in Hong Kong. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And they're over there to celebrate their son's first birthday Mm -hmm. with her mother. She's recently been reunited with her mother. She was, uh, she had been um, isolated, distant for a while. So anyway, they're in Hong Kong when all of a sudden volcanoes start erupting all over the area out of these trenches. There's just humongo volcanoes, tidal waves, tsunamis are affecting this whole area around I'm Australia say and it has stuff. Something to do with the submarine. No, it doesn't. But no. Oh. There, see, I gave you a spoiler. Thank you. Uh, but <laughs> it it has stuff to do with the fact that way, 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 way back when the asteroid hit the Earth and this asteroid broke into pieces and that's what made the moon, mm-hmm. a, a piece was left buried deep in the Earth. And now they're trying to find the asteroid. They're also dealing with the local Aboriginal tribes. Well, their beliefs and oh, and stuff okay. and what makes a volcano, you know, erupt and all this stuff and how that supposedly, and this is one of the things that was true, there was a thing called the Great Dying several thousand years ago. Okay. That left only 30,000 people left on the earth. Oh. And... It was caused when these volcanoes erupted all over the place. And it was called the Great Dying. And these Aboriginal people had figured out a way to stop it by appeasing the gods. Okay. So you've got the Chinese people trying to get their sub back. And in the process, they don't care who they hurt. You've got the American Sigma Force in several different places trying to help the research team find the sub, figure out what's going on with the volcanoes. 
It's okay. So they're trying to find the subvert. So they're working together. Okay, cool. Everybody is kind. Of, well, no, the Chinese are not working with the Americans. Even though they're the Americans are willing to help. Yes, but you know, uh, you got yes. these two. Well, that, well, that's what I was going to say. Got to have was, the bad people against the good people, quote unquote. Well, I was going to say, I was like, well, that's nice because you know, usually in the real world, there's conflict between, but yes, there's still there conflict is in the conflict. fake world too. There is conflict <laughs> in the fake world. Lots of conflict in the fake world. But it's it's very interesting to think that this could actually happen. You know, that volcanoes could literally start going off all over the Pacific Ocean <laughs> again. Well, I was reading, well, I, w- I saw on Netflix, it's a series, it's a mini series, I can't remember what it's called, something about This Is Our Planet, it is narrated by Morgan Freeman, and um, during the break I just kind of watched it, and there are five great extinctions. There's mm-hmm. like five times... That the Earth ended and then restarted, ended again and restarted. Yeah. And then, I mean, to set me off on that, I went to my mom's and we started seeing some more documentaries. And we came upon one that was like David Attenborough's. And he's like, yeah, like we're close to destroying the Earth. <laughs> well, and you're think I'm I'm reading this and I'm like... Yeah, maybe the Earth is trying to tell us something again, you know, that it's, you're screwing me up again, so I'm going to get rid of you, and we'll start over again. It seems so. like, yeah, it seems like with the extinctions, it's like the dinosaurs at their peak were thriving, and then boom, something happened. Yeah. It's scary. It is very scary. Yes, but it's, it's you know, one of the action-packed, I mean, the whole thing takes place in less than a week, the whole book, you know, everything is okay, like what? less than a week. <laughs> okay. You know, they got to they gotta figure out what's going on in less than a week. <laughs> Do you think you had a long week? They had a really you long know, week. So, you know, that's one of his hallmarks to have all of this action that takes place in such a short period of time. Is James Rollins also the one that you... Um, the book about the ecosystem, the trees, and the mushrooms communicating with each other. Yes. Okay. Because yes. I was like, it sounds very much like he also wrote that. Yep. That was the kingdom of something. I forget what, exactly what, I can't remember the name of the book. You know, every time you, you tell me about his books, I can see the possibility of the stuff happening. And then it's just more... It brings it more to mind because he's got that fiction fact. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that he, are fact that you're just like, no, that has to be fiction, but it's fact. It it's ends up being s- fact, yeah. And some of the equipment that they use. He like actually says, no, nah, this is something I made up. But this particular one is in production. It is in the process of, you know, they're they're working on this type of thing, which is something so far out there. You like how it's like, you know, sci-fi, right? No, it's actually something that the government is working on. You just have to imagine this like, man is very into science. Oh to yeah. To know this stuff. Yeah. So I, I I always enjoy reading his books. This one got a little more scientific on me. And some of his other ones. There was a lot of science in this one that usually it doesn't have as much science, but there was 
I kept having to like, I mean, I read it and I listened to it, but it just went woof over my head. Okay, I was going to say, I was and like, was it the easy science or no, science that you have no, to kind of... No, it's just, it's, it's stuff that they were talking about with using scientific words and terminology. And I'm like, okay, fine. I don't need that for the story. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, he threw it in there. He put it in there for the science buffs. It's great. But for me... It was just a sideline, and it did not affect the story. It's, it's funny, because I would be the opposite, Bonnie. I would, it would take me forever to read this book, because I would be on Wikipedia, being like, what does this mean? And then I'd go on the rabbit hole of finding this, and then... Well, you could later. if you wanted to, <laughs> but um, yeah. So, I can kind of ignore the science part. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's out there and I know that's why they're doing what they're doing, but I don't need the science. You don't need the science to enjoy the thriller suspense part of the story. But that's fun because if you're not, if you don't really gravitate towards science, these are great books because they, it's like a little intro to science in a fun way. Yeah. I mean, it like introduces you to something you wouldn't normally read. So yeah. But also, James <clears throat> Rollins, I don't want to be scared about the future. Like, <laughs> yes, but unfortunately, he has, like some other authors, you know, he like puts it out there. You know, sci-fi no, I mean, writers do it all the time. I say, I say that, but the thing is, the only way it's going to change is if we know about it and actively do something about it. So as much as I joke around about, I don't want to be scared, I'm like... But if you don't we know... We need to be scared to do something, right? So, right. I yes. mean... It's a joke. I mean, I, I appreciate that this man is trying to educate us um, so that we don't go into our sixth extinction. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> no, thank anyway. you. So, I will leave it at that. Fun! And uh, we good will reads. plan on Lit Chat next week. Yes, yeah, so our first Lit Chat is going to be on the 11th, Thursday the 11th at 1 to 2. We're going to be talking about our readers' choices. And then for February, our, um, and I'm telling you this early on because this might have been a mistake <laughs> to have done it so soon. Um, February, our readers' choice is The Wager by David Gran. And it is very popular. Like, okay. there's a big hold list. So I am currently trying to get these books. Well, should we maybe move it to a different? We might have to. So we might have to. We'll talk we may, to we our can lit chat. That. I'm not surprised. I didn't think about it, but I'm not surprised. He wrote that other one, Killer of the Moonflowers or something like that. Oh, that was now just on... turned into a movie. Yes. Yes. Killers of the Flower Moon. There we go. We, did, we read that one in lit chat several years ago, a couple of years ago. Oh, really? Yes, I did not did. read that one before we were called Lit Chat, when we were Lunch and Lit. Oh. That was a book that we read. And this one <laughs> sounds very compelling also. So we will have Lit Chat, and we hope to see you there. Yes. Until we meet again, I'm PJ. And I'm Bonnie. Bye, guys. Bye.